The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. Yeah, I didn't really do much like this week. I'm gonna do more the upcoming week. I've got a lot of things booked in, like Zoom calls. <laughs> You're busy. Yeah, I'm busy on the old Zoom. I was busy today. I played D&D for like five hours. <laughs> that, yeah, well, that's what we're doing tomorrow. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. But this isn't a D&D podcast. This is a podcast about 1970s films called Obscure Film Presents the 70s. Hello, I'm Sammy. Oh, I'm coming what is, hot with this intro. <laughs> what a smooth introduction. That was so professional. Thank you. I'm here with my co-host, Freddie. Hello, Freddie. Hello. Do I? Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> no, I didn't have anything to say. I just started talking. You need a catchphrase. <laughs> I need a catchphrase? As part of a podcast, you need a catchphrase. I can't. I feel like if I try to think of one, it's not going to sound natural. No. It will make itself known over time. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> What did we watch this time? <laughs> the way that sounded like you were genuinely asking as if you forgot. <laughs> um, it's just my good actor. It's your great acting. We watched Hanny Calder. Yes. And I don't know actually who directed it because I didn't look. Bert Kennedy directed it. Bert Kennedy. Yeah, who also directed things I've never heard of. <laughs> like what? A lot of TV. Hmm. Like, a lot. Like, that was his major work. He directed an episode of Magnum. So I like this guy. <laughs> and a He's lot. When you Google him, a picture of him with a hat comes up. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he directed Support Your Local Sheriff, which I've seen bits of and I keep meaning to finish it. He does. Have you seen that? I have not seen it. It does seem like he's done some, some, uh, fair amount of westerns. Yeah, lots of westerns and lots of TV. It didn't feel like a a TV movie. It was very, I think it was quite cinematic. Yes, it was cinematic. It was weird. Um, it had very weird pacing. Yeah. Very bizarre pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they spent, like, a long time in one place. That doesn't feel that weird for a Western, I guess. But it it was a long time in one place where it wasn't bad things weren't happening, which I guess is weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they were just enjoying themselves in Mexico. So it was, like, actually genuinely kind of nice for them. What were your expectations for it before we watched it? Well, we didn't really... Well, we thought we were going to watch something else that was... Yes! We thought we were going to watch... The female bunch? Yeah. Um, which, which I was excited about because of reason. Very excited <laughs> about because there was multiple women in it. Um, yeah. And it turns out it was, it's only said it was 7D film because it got re-released under a different name, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, then Sammy was like, we can't watch this. It's from 69. Yeah. Um, it's not nice. authentically <laughs> 70s enough. <laughs> whatever so we didn't um and then i pulled hanny calder out because everybody was comparing it oh because then 
looking at more of the other guy who directed the the female bunch movie, the other one that he directed that actually did come out in the seventies. It was produced in the seventies. Somebody was like, "This is just Annie Calder," and then I was like, "Well, we should watch Annie Calder then," which has been on my watch list. Yeah, same. And I wasn't disappointed with the choice because, yeah, I feel like it probably had the same vibe that the female bunch would have given us. Except that this film is, like, quite heavily a genre picture, whereas the female bunch is exploitation all the way. I did realize that I got it confused. Well, I didn't get it confused, but I kept, um, in terms of my expectations of the film, um... Raquel Welch is also in a movie, an, uh, another Western, with Jimmy Stewart and Dean Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, called Bandolero, which I also haven't seen, but I kept expecting her to show up in this outfit from that movie, so that was my ex- my expectation like that didn't that come true. <laughs> um, that would have been cool. So I conflated those together. No, I've not seen I that I think show. I... Ex- I don't know if I... Ex- I don't know. I've, I think I expected it? more of her shooting people. Mm. Yeah, because of the poster where she's got her gun belt on. Yeah. I thought it was more of going to be her... Uh, as Like, in the poster, she looks naked with her gun belt on. Yeah. And I just thought it was going to be her naked and shooting people, which I would have been cool. Um... But she did do a lot of new shooting though, but not as much. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like not completely. She had a poncho on. Um, yeah, a a modesty poncho. I was thinking that poncho looked really modern for the time because it had like a a off center neckline. <laughs> Asymmetrical. It, it. it was like cut that way. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. I don't. This is not like. Probably not what you start out with. I also need to open my bingo tab up. But um, my <laughs> I read actually about Raquel Welch after we watched this. Because I was thinking that like, I guess I did know, you know, you know about somebody. But I didn't really know that much about her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I knew much about her either. I, I knew about her like in terms of, um, what is it, Fantastic Voyage seen that yeah and um the the poster the like a thousand years beast Shawshank Redemption yeah I've never seen Shawshank Redemption um what but I know the poster get that on your watch list um but so like I knew of her and obviously I think like a lot of people thought she was hot um but it was it was interesting it turns out that she's ne- she never actually did nude nudes nude scenes um like no yeah it was very only d- hidden partial nudity nude. you never saw yeah. no no toplessness like you I mean like it's like a lot of exposed skin like essentially and yeah but um never fully nude apparently never fully nude even when she was in playboy um, wow. and Hugh Hefner Lady. had a really creepy quote being like, but she didn't really need to do it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> gross. Um, yeah. good for her, but gross. Um, <laughs> which was interesting. Not that, I don't know. I, ex- I, I guess I expect it. Cause the whole thing is that to get her like a career, 
her and her um agent who would become her husband like were like oh we have to market you as a sex like a sex symbol and that's mm-hmm. how you'll get like a career so she it wasn't like she was not trying to be marketed that way that was like definitely her in into hollywood so then i was like oh it's interesting that she she was she was like definitive a definitive 70s sex symbol, but never never was new to any movies, as I feel like maybe kind of preconceived notion of her. Yeah, I think what she was doing was like creating the fantasy, wasn't she? Like putting the idea that she had been nude <laughs> in yes. people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, you know, making people kind of not guess, but wonder. And then that's even more, like, sexy than just outright nudity. I read that she's very supportive of her gay fans. Oh, well, I love that. She seems like... She- so we can only stand. <laughs> only stand. <laughs> I know her. She's, like, related to the first female president of Bolivia. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's wild. When I read that, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I know she kept her first husband's last name because the agent slash husband who was like we're gonna turn you into a sex symbol was also like this is how to not typecast you as a latina Mm. latinx actor which was interesting you've read a lot here i read some i read her gq interview she has a crush on ryan gosling oh yeah i read that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I, but not not really much about this movie my expectations I didn't really have any I think it be- because um, we decided to watch it very quickly but also I don't know how I first heard about the film or when like it might have been because it was on somebody's like favourite films or favourite westerns list or just because it's like oh a western that's got oh, a central woman character finally <laughs> Um, apparently it was, like, semi-remade as Jane Got a Gun. Huh. Like, they put a lot of the same plot elements into that, which I've seen, and I do not remember <laughs> at all. I I feel like Jane Got a Gun was probably very different, because, like, there's no way that the things that happened in Hattie Calder happened in that to the extent that they did, or the way that they were shown. Like, we haven't really described the plot. No. So, it's basically um, a, like, uh, rape-revenge story, like, that, which is pretty common in exploitation movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, that's, like, it's exploitation. Yeah. I think that's why I expected her to do a little more fighting, because I feel like sometimes... Yeah, it's like it started as well with that bank robbery scene where right away we see some people get shot in a really violently bloody way, and it's like oh yeah, blood. it's the cheap bright red, <laughs> incredible. Um, I love that though. I do love like blood. I really do. But I think, <laughs> yeah, I guess my only expectation is I thought it was going to be more of her shooting shit up because, but you, but despite that, like. The, the unfortunate part of films like this, though, especially old ones, is that you have to, mm. you have to live through 
the nasty bits to be able to have a cool female yeah. character. Yeah, and they didn't like show it outright, but they showed a lot of really disturbing, long-held scenes where these three brothers who all, you know, are like really funny character actors. They are. It's um... One of them's Ernest Borgnine, and we were both like, oh, Mermaid Man, and then that happened. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Horrifying. None and they're, the, like, yeah. given power by the way that it's shot, and she's completely reduced to... Um, well, she's an, she's never, like, you know, you never see her, like... Yeah, I was surprised. Ne- in the sense that she's reacting to it. Yeah, it was it was good in, good in the sense that, like, I expected it to be much worse. Uh, yeah, but it, it was still pretty bad because, like... It was bad. long it went on for. It was bad because it was really long, but it was... It was yeah. Good like, in the fact that I thought it was going to be, yeah, a lot less discretionary. Um, mm. Which is... Because one of the long-held shots was, like, this really long external wide shot. And it's... Of the of the house, it's weird that I expected that because I expected it to be less to discretionary. Whatever the word you just said was that I can't yeah, pronounce. I mean, that. I was worried about it. I was, I was worried no, about but it. It's not that it's weird, but what's weird? It's not that it's weird that I was worried. What's weird is that no, I, I was also worried about I'd it. I say I think the thing that was weird about the fact that I was worried is that I think that. It's flipped so much um, to today, like, how we show that shit, that I'm almost so much used to seeing it now in modern TV, like, fully and horribly, that I was like, it's... You are right. Where, like, I wasn't even like, oh, this is, like, the classic 70s trope, they're gonna show it, and it's gonna be horribly realistic. It's like, no, that's the shit I see on, like, HBO now. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of depressing. But yeah, um, so that's weird. I was like, oh, my expectation actually didn't come from the genre. It came from just modern media, which is <laughs> yeah, just I mean, to all of modern stuff. That's why we're watching seventies films <laughs> on IMDb. Like with these three brothers on IMDb, the poster that they've used is a really strange one because like the story is separated into this a story of hanny and then the b story of the brothers it's like we see quite long held scenes and long scenes of um the brothers journeying what is their actual goal <laughs> i think they're they they're escaping um they weren't um... they going to rob another bank or something they're, but before they rob another bank, they, they they rob a bank in the beginning, they're getting chased, it's kind of unclear by who, I'm pretty sure they're either like bounty hunters or Pinkertons. Yeah. Um, somebody's paid a lot because there's a lot of them and they're always sort of in the distance. And yeah. then... Right, Freddie, they... you have to make it clear here. You are like a Western expert. I... <laughs> You know what you're talking about. I have to make it clear. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Western fan. You're a Western I... expert. Okay, I'm a Western expert. Um. <laughs> yeah. So know that. <laughs> I don't know how to explain my credentials. You don't to need people. to explain. It's just like it seemed very okay, clear that you were. It. 
but like the people need to know. <laughs> I am. Um and you can ask me I don't know how, but you can find a way to ask me what westerns I like because I don't fuck with John Ford, so don't start thinking shit like that. <laughs> if you're listening, boo to him. Um, but So they're getting chased by possibly Pinkertons. Getting chased by possibly Pinkertons. Then they sort of, I don't know, were like, maybe we should rob another bank. And then they do. Or they try to. But they kind of are very aimless. They're kind of just being chased and then they have the scenes where they're just kind of running away and then yelling at each other. Yeah, and they're, they're really shown to be not the smartest three people. <laughs> like, they're all goofs. So it's really, it's, I think that adds to the horror, really, that, like, you know, she gets attacked by these three idiots. That, yes. Like, it's a completely mindless act for them. Although it is, like, premeditated, and they have breaks, and they talk about it, and it's weird. It's weird, and I would have rather not had it at all. <laughs> I would rather... Well, it's weird because they're, like, they're... they're Like you were saying, like, later, like, they're funny later. They are really funny, just, and it's so upsetting. <laughs> and it's so upsetting, and it, like... Like, I don't want to laugh. Ha- it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. It's not like it's trying to make... This movie's trying to make commentary on the fact that they didn't care... It's just, that's how it is. So I'm like, if you're not trying to make commentary about this, because clearly you're not, just don't. Just don't. Just kill her husband. Why? Just have Is that not happen. a reason enough? Yeah. Kill her husband. He, I don't remember what he looked like, but she seemed upset about it, so. Yeah, he was around for like two seconds. He was around for two seconds. Him. I think he had a mustache. Yeah, he was blonde. Um, um, so yeah, on IMDb, the poster is Hanny like sat wearing this like off the shoulder white dress with a little corset and these like knee high boots and the brothers are all around her like they're not leching over her apart from Rufus who's like leaning his little face on her but she does look powerful but why are they there they look like her sidekicks <laughs> they do look like her sidekicks in that poster I don't know it looks like just a, like a promotional image they took on set and were like yeah, make that go. into a person. <laughs> it looks cool. It has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> um, she doesn't even wear that dress for that long. No. Um, she doesn't wear many clothes for very long. She doesn't wear many clothes for very long. And I wanted to pose a question. To moi? To our listeners. Oh, to the listeners. Um, a question that came up during our viewing. Um, so for the first part of the movie... After all the horrible shit happens, um, Mr. Robert Culp shows up, and he's a bounty hunter, um, and she basically tries to get him to teach her how to shoot, and he doesn't want to do it at first and doesn't care, and starts, like, riding off, and she follows him, um, on foot in her, just her poncho, um, is not wearing anything else. And I was like, man, that's that she's been following him for like a while. It's clearly like a while. It seems like a couple days. Yeah. Um 
and he won and he has two horses for the record like he is a free horse and I was like man that sucks that she's walking like barefoot like naked in the desert for like three days and then you were like it would be so much worse (laughs) to ride (laughs) pussy out on a horse (laughs) and I wanted to know what other people thought about that frankly because I don't know what's worse is walking three days naked barefoot worse she had like little boot things on like weird little bags that her feet were wrapped in but her toes were out so they don't they weren't good (laughs) shoes no they weren't good feet bags (laughs) um but I genuinely do want to know. I feel like people will say walking is easier. But, like, I feel like if you can overcome the pain, I don't know. Maybe find a different way to sit. It just seems so uncomfortable. Like, it's uncomfortable enough to wear pants on a horse. Okay, well, that's... It's fine to wear pants on a horse. You're just not good at horseback riding, I guess. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> Weird. She didn't have pants for a very long time. Maybe half the movie. Was it half the movie? I was like one third of the movie. It made a really big deal when she did get pants. It did make a very big deal when she got pants. Like, she's walking about the town. The guy's like, oh, these pants are made for somebody bigger than you. You've got to go sit in the bath. And then she walks into a saloon. And an old guy's like, oh, that guy's built. <laughs> yes. Which was incredible. And then, and then she goes and sits in the bath and you get, like, a, you know, cheesecake scene. Where then, she stands yeah. up out of the bath and she, like, slaps a little bum. She looked amazing, though, with the outfit that she ended up with. She like did. Her little, her little outlaw outfit. <laughs> Unsurprising. Mm. I thought she was a great character. She was a great character. Um, Not a lot of dialogue. But did she need it? No. I mean, I it's weird because in some ways I would have liked more, even though I like characters that don't talk very much. Yeah. Because um, they're cool. But I think I would have liked more just because I wanted dialogue it to Dialogue gives be... people agency. Yeah. I was like, I want her to have... To do more things and say more things and know yeah. more about her. Yeah, because we didn't get any backstory whatsoever about her. No. She has no accent for the record. The Neither does Robert Culp either. What's his name? Thomas I think he Mr. was putting Price. on like a little accent. But like, they neither, they both, she sounds so like... She sounds like the way that like she not ADR but like the way that she talks is like so clear. <laughs> like it's like actor I voice. Think that's really interesting. It's like actor voice. Um I think it's really interesting like who, you know, having no accent makes her into a like a mysterious character. You could project a lot of uh fantasy elements onto that it's not even that she has no accent it's like the it's like i feel like there's what you in like post everybody having like the transatlantic accent i feel like the basis Mm. in hollywood becomes just like very clear very blank very like your voice sounds adr and every time you say anything (laughs) kind of voice or like 
generic like hot ben Gazzara has voice. That. Um, personally, I would love to sound like that because I think it's cool and weird. But I feel like it, <laughs> and it probably has something just to do about how they recorded sound and about like how you articulate your vowels. But it makes yeah, it so how you're taught to speak. It makes it so weird because it's just like she has a movie voice. It's just like she sounds like she's in a in a movie, and then people like are like around her, are like oh, old West voice, <laughs> and it's just weird. I didn't recognize Robert Culp right away because of his beard and his little specs. I did not. I you said he looked like somebody, but now I can't remember. It was uh, Greg Kinnear. Yes, and he, he did. looked exactly like Greg. He liked Greg Kinnear. <laughs> Um, so where's was, the remake with Greg Kinnear? He was kind of an interesting character. He's like a polite bounty hunter. Yeah, um, I thought he was great. We were both uh, comparing them to our D and not D and D Red Dead characters. Uh, yes, our Red Dead Online, who are great. Um, but yeah, he was interesting. He pays his whole thing is like he pays for the funerals of the people. Out of his bounty, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Nice, interesting little character trait there. Yeah. Can't wait to live that for somebody. <laughs> I can see how Tarantino got to, like, Django and Dr. King Schultz with that. Well, you know what's interesting is that's what I was thinking. Like, after this, I, it has such strong Django yeah, and vibes. I love Django. Um, I love Django, too. But apparently... um. This was more of his inspiration for Kill Bill. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Roaring Rampage of Revenge. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And she has to, like, learn the way of the gun. <laughs> and also Christopher <laughs> Lee! Christopher Lee! We haven't talked about him. Yeah, that was really interesting, though, because all the things about him were, like, just, like, Kill Bill, Kill Bill, and I was like, but what about Django? Yeah. The scene reads so much more as that. Yeah, like when the, they have to, when he's teaching her to shoot and they're shooting that scarecrow on the beach. And then there's Christopher Lee because he's the gun maker. Yeah, and he lives on the uh, Mexican beach. This film was shot in Spain. With five children. Yeah. No, um, nobody else. And an unseen wife. Yeah, I didn't think she was alive. I thought she was and just not there. But, and they just She's didn't out having wanna... cool gun adventures at the same time. I just thought they didn't want to hire another actress. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess it is a relatively cheaply made movie. Oh, yeah. It felt It definitely cheap. feels that way. Mm-hmm. They can barely afford a costume for her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wearing anything under the poncho for the record. No, it's also a titty outlook. Which, I mean, like, I'm personally kind of into, but it's, um, it's just really funny, because, like, every time she shoots somebody, she, like, rolls up her sleeve, and you get, like, a little hint of, like, side poop, and it's, like, so dangerously, and some tummy, it's so dangerously (laughs) close to, like, just, like, flying off, and it's just just so impractical for shooting people constantly that she has to, like, roll up and hold her sleeve in place. Yeah. Um, which, it's just, that's really funny. Mm -hmm. Where, like, her wearing no pants was just like, what? (laughs) But, like, I I more appreciated, like, nice leather pants, full gun belt, hat, poncho, no shirt. (laughs) 
Robert Culp didn't like we were we were quite happy with his character. It seemed for the most part watching it because he didn't like there wasn't much romance outwardly. He didn't really try anything on with her. He kind of like put her down a little bit. <laughs> it was more of her trying to pursue it, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, and he supported what she was doing. And then there was like a little bit of sprinkling of romance towards the end because you know she had to have some kind of greater connection to him or something. Well, she holds her hand, like she takes his hand, and they have this. That shot could of... be friendly. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, but it's hold your hands not. with your friends. Um, the sunset on the beach. Yeah. Um. Totally platonic. <laughs> and it was it was funny because they have a. A scene with, like, her playing with Christopher Lee's kids and, like, Christopher Lee and, um, what's his name? It was him playing with Tom- the kids. Tom, no, they do both. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is it swaps. That's what's interesting is she's playing with the kids and they're watching her and looking at her, like, wistfully. And then, yeah, I remember. And then, like, two scenes, like, in a montage later... It's her and Christopher Lee watching Robert play with the kids and him being like, you wouldn't think that man could kill somebody, could you? <laughs> Which was kind of interesting because it was like, it's not just like, oh, motherhood. It was like, no, he's good. He's yeah. good with kids and that's hot too. <laughs> um, Christopher Lee is just good, like Men should be good with kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're both nice people. So that was kind of surprising. Mm. Yeah, he's very, he's very, I don't know, not mushy, but he is very kind of interesting. I do love a bounty hunter that's like, shoots people, but is kind of nice. Yeah, he was, he was thoughtful. And he had like Has philosophy own code. what he was doing. He did have a code, but it wasn't like a really explicit die by the code type thing. No, he was, yeah. Um... I would not have been like him and been so adamant to teach uh, Annie to shoot, though, in my opinion. I'd have been like, here's your fucking gun. Why? <laughs> Why? Wouldn't you have spoken to her and been like, well, what happened to you? I, what, what? I would talk to her. I'm not saying that, but, like, he takes, like, f- lets her walk on her bare feet Would you? Have, would you have put her on the horse right away? Yes. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Oh. I would have given her um, some pants. <laughs> would have given her some pants. As well with Christopher Lee. Uh, because none of these characters had any backstory, I was projecting that they, that Robert and Christopher had, had some kind of past relationship. That is very funny, but I see it. Like, I mean that in a sincere way. I think it could happen. Like, why not? They were both of a certain age. <laughs> Christopher Lee's living by himself <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> I think his wife is there, but um, maybe she's sick and reclusive. Well, that would be really sad. It, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? How does this movie end? Oh, there's a priest man? Right, man yeah, black. the priest man. I found him really interesting, and I had a theory about him. I would love to hear it. I feel like we should explain him more Okay, first. yeah. When they're at Christopher Lee's beach house, <laughs> yeah. this man all in black turns up. He's got like a little short-brimmed Stetson on. He's got like a little uh, string bow tie and he's on a black horse. And he's 
he's like he's a white guy with blue eyes and dark hair and he doesn't say anything like I think Christopher gives him a gun that he had made and he's like how long will this take and he's like three weeks and then he gives him a look and he's like okay two weeks oh, yeah. and then he leaves yeah so that guy just turns up and I can't remember what they said about him like they didn't really acknowledge him that much I don't know, I think they're kind of, like, looking at him, and I think there's intense music going on, because it's like, yeah. is he gonna shoot people? But, um, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't, he leaves. Um, yeah, he just disappears, this dude, and, um, later on, at the end of the film, Hanny picks off the brothers, like, one by one, doesn't she? Yes. In a really dramatic fashion, which is great. Uh, Rufus, the, I guess, uh, more amusing of the three brothers, he gets killed in a tailor's and he falls through the window covered in blood. And then the only brother left is Ernest. He pursues her to a outpost and it looks like an old sort of like Confederate an old fort, style like an abandoned fort. fort. Yeah. She's waiting for him. And he's like, oh, this isn't going to be easy because I'm a man and blah, blah, blah. And she lures him to the top of the, the fort and they have a shootout. And at one point, uh, the shot comes out of nowhere and it's the guy, the, the guy, the man in black. And where has he been? Who is he? Where has he come from? <laughs> no clue. He's just there, and then she finishes Ernest off, and he dry he dies a really dramatic and cool death, falling down the stairs. But he's there, like it's yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's there, and he's like, he gives her the a smile. He's like he standing behind, uh, and then it just like ends. Um, yeah, she's she's out with a a horse, like an extra horse riding off into the distance and he's nowhere to be seen this dude who yeah who is he and i i quite like that ending because it implies that she's going to pick somebody up and help them yes it was a good ending but who is he what's his point it felt like he had a plot that got deleted yeah or just even a few lines or something because it's not even that mysterious because he shows up like more than midway through the movie for the first time so it's not like he's been there the whole time watching her like yeah it's, it's just like he's a customer of christopher Customer, of, yeah literally and then, and then he appears out nowhere at the end. and i thought he was just gonna be like a mini a mini bad that they would have to get through oh yeah but no yeah he just sort of what's his beef with Ernest? why is he <laughs> at the empty completely empty fort that is outside of town. Yeah, is he following her? How did he get there so quickly? Is he following her? Was he even going in that direction? What's the point of him? So my theory, do you want my theory and then my research? Or my research and then my theory? Theory, then your research. Okay, my theory. I mean, it doesn't entirely make sense because, like, he appears and Christopher gives him whatever. And then he appears at the end. But, like, based on the ending mainly, I was like... Because of what's said about Hanny by other people, men specifically, they say like, oh, Hanny wants to be a man. Yeah. I was like, this is like the internal sort of self that she has, or she's kind of like imagining herself to be. Yeah. And I was hmm. like, yes, Hanny Calder is a queer film now. 
I was so pleased with this and I, I wanted to be true but it's not I was like she sees herself as like the gunslinger like there's no establishment of this at all like you don't see her reading anything or you know but she's like modeling herself on these men so much that it's like that's how she you know imagines herself as she's finishing off Ernest she's like I'm summoning up this internal gunslinger that makes sense but why would she imagine somebody who's not as cool looking as her in my i know right like that is a cool theory my and my theory is that he was somebody and then his plot got cut that's my theory. (laughs) that's probably more logical and practical i don't think she needs to rely on her inner voice i think she knows but there was so much of the inner voice wasn't there like all the weird jedi voiceover that was robert yeah like remember yeah remember who you are shoot him again (laughs) shoot him again okay but what's your what what's the thing that you found out okay so after like imagining this and i still believe it i'm gonna stick with my theory but after imagining that i looked it up and i found the actor is called Stephen Boyd, mm-hmm. and his character is called the Preacher. Yeah. So, is he? <laughs> is he a preacher? But yeah, so Stephen Boyd was a Northern Irish actor, and I found on a fan site for him an interview uh, with him. The way that they describe it is like he's a guardian angel for Hanny, which is interesting because of the guardian angel figure in Brewster, so we've got some connections with these films. Mm-hmm. And then a guardian angel that shows up twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guardian angel who shows up to have some kind of monetary transaction. <laughs> but yeah, so um, there was a quote from Stephen Boyd, and he says, "In Hollywood, if an actor plays a tiny part in a film just because he fancies the role, everyone thinks he's on the skids." I was offered such a part in Hanny Calder, two days' work playing a preacher. I said yes, and everyone thought I was mad. So I played it under the name Nefetz Diob, which is more or less my name spelled backwards. <laughs> I love that. That is what a great. Realistic guy. I like that that's great and still explains nothing about his part. I oh, know. He's he's just a preacher. He's just he's a guy. He's just a preacher. But, but why? Very oh. interesting that their theory is that he's a guardian angel. <laughs> I don't think that's true but that's cool that's cool yeah and there's nothing i like more in film than characters you can like project a whole very interesting story onto that's fair i like that because um one of my favorite things in um red dead redemption one Yeehaw. is the i don't even remember his name because he doesn't really have a name what do you call what do they oh call yeah the him? guy the stranger the stranger this is a video games podcast now <laughs> Who, I won't spoil it. Should I spoil it? No, I won't. No, because we're not a games podcast. <laughs> but that means I could spoil it because we're not a games podcast. Cause... Well, spoiler warning for Red Dead Redemption 1. No, I won't, I won't, I won't. But um, I, think I, can, <laughs> I think I can distill it down. But basically, he shows up, he's got a big hat on, he's wearing all black, like our man in Hanny Calder, and he'll talk to you. Um, and say, like, weird cryptic things, implying that he knows you, and things like that, and knows bad things you did, mm-hmm. and then it all loops back around, and, okay, spoiler, spoiler, Spoilers. spoiler, he's death, but, um, and he knows where you're gonna die, um, because he stands on your grave, but, um, 
<laughs> he's very cool. I love that whole thing. And I'm sorry if you listen to this and the, and are spoiled because that was yeah. I loved finding that out in Red Dead Redemption One, which is the game that is as good as to play it. He's also in Red Dead Two, isn't he? In the the secret house in the swamp. I don't know because I've never. I have. Did not you get to that secret it. house? Um. <gasps> I have not, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, it's so good. Now we're off track, but... We aren't. We're talking about weird, mysterious strangers in cowboy-related media. <laughs> and there's more. I, I don't like think... The... I, of course there's more. Like, it's... it's. Would you say it was like a trope of cowboy media that there would be a mysterious stranger? A mysterious gunslinger? Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, I mean, Man in Black is obviously a very, yeah. very... And what comes to mind for me is, like, Pale Rider. Yeah. Have you seen that? I think so. I don't remember. I know it. Oh, where Clint Eastwood is, like, perhaps the angel of death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> very good movie, but also very hard going. I don't think we've made it clear enough how much we both love cowboys. I don't think we have either. <laughs> we just kind of got into the thing, which is good. And I hope we like, explained it well, but it's sort of hard yeah. to tell. I think we have, because we've gone through, like, what happens at the start? What happens in the middle? What happens at the end? Big cowboy fans. Huge cowboy fans. Huge cowboy fans. on um, Which didn't come up last time, but on our personalized bingos, which we trade... With each other, we watch the movie. We both have a box, which should really be the free space, but it's not. Um, <laughs> You're that not says right. Cowboys, because that is an automatic boon for any movie. Absolutely, in our eyes. Absolutely, and yours is is cowboy themes. Oh yeah, which I I quite like because that that allows for cowboys to appear in things that aren't explicitly western. Yes, I do love a good cowboy theme. <laughs> oh yeah, love a good cowboy out of out of time. We're both cowboys out of time, <laughs> <laughs> but we've not run out of cowboys yet. Okay, so going into the bingo, how many did you get? Well, now I need to find it again, okay, so you I'll can start. start. So I got nine. Nine? Yeah, it's not that many. I have. Considering there's 25 of them. Six. Six? I would say maybe seven. I'll say seven. I'll tell you. I can talk you through them. Do you want me to go first or you to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay, so on the top line, I've got actors I think are hot for Raquel. Yes. But I haven't got anything else. When I could really, I could put in magical realism because of my theory about the guy. (laughs) No, it's not strong enough. No. That's, no, that's, that's more of a I would put that in there for me um, <laughs> excessive close ups yeah excessive close ups they definitely happen like during the assault oh well that's a bad thing I know I don't want that that's not a check on my good bingo okay <laughs> it just it, it happened <laughs> it did happen but there are exceptions to the rule and that's one of them okay well I didn't uh, I just checked off now because I didn't consider that it <laughs> happened, even though it did. Stunts or chases. There was a lot of chasing. Yeah, like literal chasing. Literal chasing. Maybe a little 
in my opinion, a little too aimless. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I got bored with this film at all. Like, I was very engaged with the plot. And I didn't notice the time passing at all. No, it's a, and it's like a tight... It's a tight nice 85 length. minutes. It, right? Love that. Like around 90 minutes or slightly under perfect movie length. Slightly under 90 minutes. Which is very, I feel like, hypocritical of us I to know. say, considering we also do love very long movies. It's true. Especially you. <laughs> but. Like what? What are you thinking of? What am I thinking of? What can I, I know be what thinking, you're thinking of? of? <laughs> a, a five hour cut of some. <laughs> Somebody's got to watch it. <laughs> um, but I still love a short, I love a short movie. But no, I would say I like the chases sometimes with the brothers were a little too aimless for me. That didn't mean I wasn't entertained, but it could have been a, I don't know, it could have been something else. <laughs> and then there's nothing else in the top. Really? Yeah. I would put, I was going to say weird fun couple, but they're not that fun. And they're not really a couple. Rick, Raquel and Hanian Robert? Hanny Culp. Hanny and Culp, Raquel and Robert. <laughs> yeah. So for your second line, yes. I've got distinctive character costuming, very iconic character. Like maybe if you were very brave, a cosplay. The, but, <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend a, anybody a look cosplay. With the flat cap, it's a look. Yeah, the hats were great. Great hat movie. Well, so we got cowboy themes, of course. Yes, and that's it. Uh, right at the start, you were like, "Oh, this soundtrack is a ripoff of the Magnificent Seven. and I think you were right. It is. It is. That's why I have great soundtrack, which is on the bottom line checked Ooh. off for you. Well, I didn't check off your soundtrack one. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. It, it did. It did kind of slap. Yeah, it got like really aggressive, and there was like lots of brass in it. I've listened to the uh, Magnificent Seven soundtrack. Slaps. Quite a lot. I used to do, home the the original one. I used <laughs> to do homework to it in high school, so I know it very well. And I also know like the one YouTube like the YouTube suite from, like, opening credits suite that I used to listen to because it was free. Um, But it's, like, short, so it's, like, all the compressed themes together. And the (laughs) intro to this had, like, the exact same changes Uh. from, like, when it would go to, like, the slow. It was, like, surreal. But it slaps. I have bad ADR checked off on yours. Okay. On the second row. That's the only thing on the second row. Um... I don't remember what I was referring to, but it had to have happened. Yeah. And the way I crossed it out, it makes it look like it says, ear ass. <laughs> Did you, like, scribble like, over it? I did an X, oh. but, like, you can see enough of it that it looks like it read ear ass. Kind of sad that ladies get good lines didn't get checked off there. She didn't get any good it lines. It is very sad, but she didn't get any good lines. She she really didn't. Um, and I'm trying to think of one thing she said. She was a strong oh, The only thing type. that I can think of was she, when she said the two lines I remember is the one where she's got like her leather pants on that are still wet from when she shrank them and the sheriff like slaps her ass and it's like your ass is wet and then she's like, Your chin is wet. Um <laughs> And then leaves. Oh, yeah. And then... I would accept that as ladies get good lines. It's not lines. Lines, plural. Line. And then <laughs> ladies the get end, good lines. She has... There's no set... Or she says, like, there's no such thing 
as hard women, there's only soft men, which that was makes horrible. No fucking sense. What did it mean? It sounds like so clearly supposed to be like deep. <laughs> Is Cope meant to be a soft man? I don't know. I think it means that like the men she's shooting are like soft, like they're they're bad well, at but, being yeah. men. And there's no such thing as like a hard woman. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense, but that's the only other line of her. She's retained her precious femininity. That's the only other thing I remember of things she said. So I did not check off Lady Scale Good Lines as much as I would have liked that to be true. (laughs) On your third row I have elaborate montage. Um when was the that? Training oh, montage. the training montage. Um, there's this thing where she, to learn how to shoot a gun better, she rolls up a stick that has a rock on it, and then rolls it back down, and then rolls it back work? up, and then rolls it back down. And I remember I was like, this clearly can't have any real purpose. And you were like, no, maybe, maybe like wrist strength. Or, like, hand-eye coordination. And then I was like, I think they just needed something to cut in between. And you were like, so I could just feel like you being dejected. Like, yeah. (laughs) Probably. No, I wasn't dejected, but you're like, Well, it's funny if you were. I'm trying to, like, see beneath uh, the construction of this film, which, you know, they didn't really have that much going on with it. It was very sort of this happens, this happens, this happens. And we can't really think outside the box with it. They needed time to pass. They didn't want to just have a montage of Christopher Lee making a gun, which no. they could have simply done. They, they could have done, something... like, her doing stretches, <laughs> or running around, or riding horses, or, like, doing cool things. Her sweating as she, like, r- rolls up the stick with the rock and then rolls it back down. And, then and I the think rock it gets got bigger, bigger. But, like, not noticeably enough <laughs> I expected like a huge boulder yeah I mean but I should be like super ripped <laughs> like buff like ripping it like rolling it up Sarah Connor arm oh that would be so cool this movie had potential to be a lot and it wasn't <laughs> that was my elaborate montage I should have I didn't check off your free space but I start making up my own plot should be a given because clearly you already started to do that Yep, I'm doing it now. <laughs> um, there was no beautiful cars, and there was, like, no night scenes. No, that was strange. They just were like, oh, it's night, let's go to bed. And then we didn't see them sleeping. That's fine, that's fine. Yeah, you don't have cause... to show people sleeping. That's boring. No, it's fine, because although, be... although, it's a western, it. like, missed opportunity for a campfire little chat. That's true. But that's hard to light, Sammy. <laughs> Uh, I recommended to you as well a film, didn't I? You did. That you should watch. That was very similar, if not better. And that was The Shooting. Oh, yeah. With Jack Nicholson and Warren Oates. That's, that's got like an even sort of weirder vibe to it. And I think you'd really enjoy it. Anything else? That's your recommendation of films like this. Like this? Well, uh, for a more recent film, definitely like Slow West. Yeah. Maybe Jane got a gun, like, it went through a really weird production, didn't it? Like, they weren't sure of whether it would be released, and then it did get released on Netflix. And I, I feel like very different vibe 
but also somewhat, I'll just say related, mm. is I would say Damsel would be a good watch after him. Yes. Oh, we both love Damsel, didn't we? Damsel was so good. I would watch that again like five million times. Oh, it was so good. And she, uh, Mia Wasikowska's character in that was like, she was really the central character in more of a way than Hanny was in the movie named after herself. <laughs> it was... How rare is it that you do get a film named after a woman, though? Like, especially westerns. Well, I have cowboys checked off in your box, obviously. Of course. I have character looks amazing. Yeah, she did. Great soundtrack, I said. Character doesn't talk much. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you could blot that out completely. <laughs> Surprise cameo... Christopher Lee. Yeah. We were very thrilled by his appearance. Very thrilled. <laughs> I, he showed up, and because he has like a full beard at first, I was like, because you were like, Christopher Lee, and I was like, that's not him. His <laughs> face isn't gaunt enough. And then I was like, oh. It was weird to see him, like, in modern dress. He was wearing flares, uh, with a shortish beard, weird. smiling, with, hat, with like the straw hat. Wearing a little hat. Oh, it was very weird. Yeah. Kind of against type for him. I I read somewhere, and I could be wrong, um, but my sources tell me this was the only Western he was in, which I would believe, so that's why yeah. I am believing it. Um, I do believe it. Because uh, name another. <laughs> he would have been a really good villain um, in he a Western. Would. Yeah. But we'll never have that. Yeah. R.I.P. So whatever. <laughs> R.I.P. Although... Bring him back to celebrities. Yeah, bring him back as a CGI. No, don't do that. Don't do do that. Do it. Don't do all that technology. I love it. Sucks. Okay, this is where we differ. (laughs) You think bringing back celebrities? No, I mean it's it's really contentious, isn't it? Like the Galaxy adverts with Audrey Hepburn. That's so old now, which is kind of freaky. And the. That's like old. The projected like James Dean film, which is gonna be awful. That sounds horrible. But I like that CGI DH actors. Oh well, I like CGI DH actors. I think that's cool. There's many actors I'd like to CGI DH for future projects if I become a famous director. Oh yeah, hell yeah, Elliot Gould number one. <laughs> oh well, for you, number one for you, please. But yeah, like. Only do it if they gave some kind of consent to it. But it's so hard to gauge, though, in terms... Because, like, can you imagine? They, they would have no conception of what this would be. <laughs> like, the actors they're talking about, James Dean would have no conception of what no, he, he would be, even if he did consent in some kind of way. But also, I think... I li- yeah, so I like CGI de-aging, because whatever, that's stupid. It's your own face. <laughs> it's That's enough reason to do it. Why not? Yeah. Um, no, bringing back people is weird. I know... Yeah, but Marlon Brando would consent to it, because he CGI scanned his own head. He did. It was like one of the last things he did he before did. he died. Marlon Brando would consent to it. So bring back Marlon, at least. But, like, everybody else, you're going to have to check their will and see if it says, like, can be used after my death. <laughs> I hope, well, there was CGI Peter Cushing in Star Wars. Yeah. And how would they have got consent? I don't know how... But that's why. That's why I'm like Christopher Lee, because, you know, the film. 
It's the boys, but I... <laughs> the boys. The Hammer Club, but I don't know. That's... I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I'd have to read about The that. James Dean thing... Don't like that Makes me so mad. It, it's just upsetting. The only thing I will say for, like, the Peter Cushing one is, like, I guess, what was it, for Rogue One, it's, like, pre-existing... Yeah. ...media that he actually was in. It's so weird to me... To create new media around an actor that's dead. Mm. That, no, you mean, you know what I mean? Like, you make new media about an actor that's dead, but like casting Don't, an actor like, that's dead. Don't like manipulate them. <laughs> oh, not just manipulate them, but I'm like, there are actors out here now. Yeah, get somebody there's, else. There's make a new character. So Give some many, people some jobs. So many little actors who will never have a job in their entire life <laughs> and it's very stressful to be like let's replace them yeah like we you know these people are so iconic that we can only use them let somebody else be iconic um that was very off track but i think it was an interesting it was a good tangent it was a good tangent because movies this because is movies. all about <laughs> movies when we get down to it it's about yeah film yeah like i quite like seeing actors who you know in the 70s who are now still almost just as famous you get me like christopher lee we were so thrilled to see him because he's had such a long career and so from the 70s to when we both got into films and when we were born um (laughs) you know he's still working and i i like that i think that's another reason why I feel like this is a really interesting era to start with. It's that, uh, you know, we ha- we get directors who are start working in the 70s and are still working now. That's true. And I, I, I like seeing actors the lineage. That are. Yeah. A lot of actors that are, a lot of actor legacies. Yeah. Legacy families that begin. The Fonders. Um, <laughs> yes. Obviously. On your bingo. Yes. Um, I've got, for your third line, homoeroticism. But it wasn't, like, super outward. Maybe I'm projecting. You are projecting because I didn't feel bad. <laughs> okay. I wish I did. I wish I did because it's on my box. and But I didn't feel it was inherent to it. No. You know? It wasn't no, there wasn't enough. Homoerotic. It wasn't enough. It was, it was very... It was very heterosexual. But I feel like this could be reclaimed as um, a queer film. It could be, because what's... Are you okay with me using that word? Am I okay with you using it? Yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm using it in an academic sense. I mean, well, you know, now we're going to isolate our audience. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I... No, I use it in an academic sense all the time, because it's just... It's easier. I don't know. That's what everybody else uses. An yeah, academic established as like, but yeah, yeah, I guess established that I think that if you, if you the not you Sammy, yeah, but you the you the audience don't know if an individual person likes to be called queer, don't call them that. Absolutely, um, especially, I think I think it's weird calling like older like I guess in terms of like older celebrities and stuff that too or older historical figures mm-hmm. when they 
in their world in their lifetime and only would have been in like a slur yeah um is insane and bad to me and also you can never you the audience can never call me that um yeah yeah because i've only heard it in a bad way so i would only use it academically because it's easier to write yeah and also yeah every single paper i have is like queer theory and film (laughs) noir but yeah it does have that (laughs) academic precedent it does. In film studies. It so it's, it is just easy to use it as a catch-all. Um, I also hate it just because now people who aren't feel like they can say it all the time. And it's, like, it's weird to hear that from other people. <laughs> call yourself whatever you want, but don't let other people call you shit, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I feel like it could be reclaimed. It could be reclaimed. And I think it would be really interesting to completely view it through that lens, which I was when I was watching it because I can't escape my own viewership. I mean, I could view it through the lens of, like, I would say of more, like, gender fluidity and stuff yeah. than, like, oh, than, that. like, than, like, homoeroticism, because as much as yeah, they are clearly are things. invested in Christopher Lee and Robert Culp's oh, well. <laughs> relationship. Hopping onto AO3, <laughs> looking for that fanfic. <laughs> there was nothing else really homoerotic about it but there is there was like a pointed thing when they like call i don't know when they say like hey he wants to be a man yeah which you already referenced and it's like (laughs) and then she doesn't like protest that it's like ooh, cool and she what she does wear pants that may seem throwaway but it's important semiotics baby Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is important a lot of Cool women in westerns wear dresses. What does it mean? Uh, things. It means things. <laughs> Great. <laughs> shot on location. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But it was shot in Spain and it's set in America. Um, I'll say yes because I did mean location like. Like they're there, they're like, shooting in a location. Out of studio, basically. It doesn't matter where it is. So, yeah. that counts. I feel like that counts for any Western, because I just like nice outdoor shooting. Yeah. Did we see inside Christopher Lee's beach house? I don't think we did. We don't, we they're don't. outside of it. <laughs> but, like, to, so that to me tells me that it didn't happen inside. Either It either didn't, or it was a house that they were, did not own. And we're not decorating. Yeah, like a modern house. Um, Because that would have been a lot of PD from the inside. That's true. So inspirational for, like, really cheap shoots. Don't go in the house, yes. but have a cool house outside. Have a cool fort. Have a cool fort. Yeah, the fort was great. Um, a woman smoking. Were there women smoking? She never smokes. No, I didn't check that off. I did check off a female character with agency. I'd say that's right. She does have she does have agency. I was also surprised um, because when Robert Colt leaves or like goes to leave her, he's like, "Don't shoot anybody." Oh, and then when he and then when he and then he gets stabbed. I can't believe we didn't talk about it. He in this slow motion sequence. Where he, oh where yeah, he, he fires at one of the brothers, and it's going so slow and janky. Like that was incredible. And 
it like and the brother like slowly dives into the saloon. <laughs> it was and the Ernest, bullet hits wasn't the it? door. Was it Ernest? I think and it was then, Ernest. And then because he tries to do the same thing to Hanny, throws the knife, and, and it, it like it's takes like frame by frame. Years. Frame by frame, flying through the air, and it like hits directly. Like his bullet misses, <laughs> and it and makes such a hilarious squelch. <laughs> and it goes squelch right into his stomach, and he kind of looks like disappointed. He's just like, oh. <laughs> and then, and for a minute, it was weird because then he falls over, but then gets back up, and then I was like, for a minute, like, is yeah, he's he just okay? But then he's not. <laughs> no. He's not. He goes to the bed and he, before he dies, he tells yeah. Hanny, like, you're gonna change if you shoot somebody. <laughs> Even though I've told you, you don't to really want to shoot them. Even though I've taught you to shoot and Yeah, he, he just dies. dies in bed. Um, and they're like, that's it. I would like to say that I think that's a shitty way to go Absolutely. in the Old West to die by a knife <laughs> to your stomach. There's a lot cooler ways to go out. But that's like a step up from getting a disease. <laughs> yeah. It's I guess it's a good step up from that. But like rather go out in some kind of fancy cool. shootout gunfight. It was almost cool, but it, then it wasn't. That <laughs> wasn't cool because they weren't even shooting him. They threw a slow <laughs> knife at him, which he had so much time to get out of the way of. <laughs> even so not in slow motion. So slow. <laughs> it was so slow. <laughs> but there was <laughs> Like, his bullet, he shoots the bullet before, like, he has yeah. time, because he, he like, reacts waits. terribly. <laughs> he reacts terribly. But basically, what's interesting, though, I guess, in terms of her agency, is that she does still shoot them. She doesn't have, um, that, like, uh... She doesn't have any self-doubt about oh. it. Oh, like, oh, no, I can't. He told me. She's just and like, I may have, I'm gonna do I may it. have had feelings for him. Yeah. And, oh, like, oh no, I'm worried that I might become somebody I dislike <laughs> and I'm unfeminine or something. She's like, no, oh, fuck it, I don't want to shoot them anyway because I meant to. Yeah. So I feel like agency works there because I really thought she was just going to give up. Yeah. Which would have been a sucky movie. It would. Um, but I feel like it's also, that's a very classic trope to be like, don't do this. It's my dying wish. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Now I'm gonna, I don't know, tie them up and turn them into jail and not actually kill them, because... She did do the thing that he does, which is pay for the funeral, though. That I did love. I think that's very cute. Yeah. That's a a, a better way of, like, doing that whole, I'm gonna homage the person who taught me. That was very cool, because then I also assumed, like, oh, she's gonna be a bounty hunter now. Yeah. But a cool bounty hunter who has a code. Hanny called her to when? Hanny called her to when? So yeah, I've not got anything else on that line. I have nothing else on your line. I'm done with your bingo. I finished it. I've read it all. Oh, wow. You said it was weird. Like, just now. But I did not check weird. I said it was what was weird. The movie? Yeah. Did I call the movie weird? Yeah, like, right at the start of this, you were like, oh, it was weird. And I didn't really feel it was super weird. I no, felt like I don't it think was, it's weird it was enough. more of a genre piece. I don't think it's weird enough. No. There was nothing that really got me uh, sort of blindsided. I don't know. It was pacing weird, but not in a way that I was, like, 
Yeah. yeah. I don't have anything else. I have nothing. Uh, I'm not going to give it to protagonists either because... No. It's Hanny's story. It is Hanny's story. I still think that's really, really, really unique, the film being named after her. That is true. I think they were trying to like set her up as some kind of man with no name character. They were, but they weren't trying hard enough. I don't know what their aims were with this film. I didn't do much research this time. I mostly fell into a spiral about reading about Raquel and her career... How she really wants to to be a good actress, and people were like, "You're not a good actress." They were wrong. I think she's good. <laughs> they were wrong because I think she's good. I Sammy thinks so. Um, that was mostly where my search took me. Apparently, the screenplay was rewritten by the director. The Hanny Calder screenplay. Yeah, I think by that we like it means he probably took a lot out. <laughs> yes, that I feel like. That makes sense. And you can a little bit tell. Oh, it's a British Western film, I guess. It is British produced. That explains Christopher's presence. Which explains Christopher's presence. Okay. Monthly Film Bulletin described the film as a disappointing Western. That was an uneasy course between parody and imitation, an unlikely amalgam of The Wild Bunch and One Million Years BC with the odd nod to Meyer Breckenridge, which I did not pick up. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen Meyer Breckenridge. I haven't either, but I've read a bit about it just because it's baffling to me and I always forget that she's in it mm. it is a masterful hybrid of tried and true Hollywood conventions and the more confrontational style of the Italian westerns that supplanted American odors in the mainstream consciousness I would say that was more accurate like that is more accurate what is a British western if an Italian western is a spaghetti western <laughs> that's a question for you to answer oh gosh a fish and chips western. <laughs> fish and chips western. I like that. Oh, uh, I was gonna call it a paella western because it was shot in Spain. No, but it's but it's British production. Yeah. So, <laughs> beans western. Beans. Baked beans <laughs> western. Uh, full English western. Scotch egg. Full English western. Full English western is actually pretty good. That's, that's good. Alright, there's the influence. Talks about Tarantino, which we knew. Mm-hmm. Oh, why he loves the movie so much is Robert Culp. <laughs> Not surprised. He's a big Culp fan. I thought Culp was good. The character Price from the film was the inspiration for the character Captain Price from the game series Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3. What? <laughs> In the beginning of Modern Warfare 1, Captain Price teaches the gamers... Similar to Price teaching Hanny Calder how to shoot. <laughs> At the end of Modern Warfare 3, the game ends with the character, Yuri, getting a knife through his body like Price no did the No way! <laughs> the characters, Price and Captain Price, have very similar looks. And the same goes McTavish, who looks like Bailey. Also notable are the three villains in the movie and the three villain in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1, 2, 3 that have quite similar looks. That is baffling to me that's wild that's baffling why are we learning so much about call of duty lately where it's like actually the game has this in it and it's like no (laughs) i've never no i've i mean it makes sense but that's so strange it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense like i know um i know as a as a big terminator fan that that Solid Snake 
at least, I think there's, like, multiple snakes. I think it's Solid Snake. Um, like, my original design was based off of, um, Kyle Reese, um, from Terminator. And, like, if you look at old box art of the movie and, like, old art of Kyle Reese, when he's, like, before he comes to the, to the present, when he's in the future still. Yeah. And he's got his, like, harness and everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, of course, this connection makes sense. Image wise, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, Sammy. It makes sense in the way that they're like, this person is named after this person, and then they tell. And he us, looks like him? I don't know. I have not seen him. I have to look, but they say, no, but they say he, he, he looks, looks like, like him. him. He dies in the same way. He teaches that, him how that's to shoot the same sense. way. It's like the uh, villains, he gets stabbed. The, the villains look the same. Why this movie? It, but yeah, why this movie? It doesn't have like the Terminator. It like, doesn't have a lady to, protagonist. It doesn't have a lady protagonist. It doesn't have genre continuity. Imagine watching this film and being like, "What it needs is a male protagonist." <laughs> it's not. There's no genre continuity. It's not. It's not like a pop, like a very popular western that you would take no. things from. I'm gonna see what he looks like. Maybe that's why they were like, oh, let's just cop off with this entire plot. That's true. That's true. You, nobody would know except the people who read to the bottom of the Wikipedia page. <laughs> he's got, he's got like the same beard as um, Robert Colt. He doesn't look anything like Robert Colt. He's Cole. got a beard. <laughs> no, I'm not seeing any culpiness in the... Um... He's got a hat. He's in three he of lacks them. He the je ne sais culp. He's in, he's in three. Why is he in so many of them? I don't believe this for one second. Like, we've unearthed a conspiracy here. <laughs> Actually, I should just look at where that information is sourced. It's not. Okay, well, it's fake. It's false. I... It's just somebody's idea. If somebody knows Call of Duty... Tell me if this is true. We're really reaching out to the listeners a lot in this episode, and I like that. Right now, I believe it's true. I don't because I, I don't. I don't know if I believe like the character model inspiration. Maybe the plot, but I the almost. Character. I do no, but I do believe it because I feel like it's what you said. It's. That you put it together. It's like one of those things where it's like you watch something that's so low key and out, like, I mean, it's not like out of the public eye, but like so, you know. It's not what you would immediately think to watch. Niche in a way. Yeah. That if you took something from it, nobody would fucking know. Or like it would be 20 people out of 100 that would know. Probably less than that. Yeah. Um, If I'm doing You, me, and this person. You mean this person. So now I'm convinced that it is true. So I want to know opinions from people who've played Call of Duty, because I never will. Yeah, no, I've never played it. (laughs) Isn't Timothy Oliphant in Modern Warfare 3, though? Oh, no, is he? Is it the one with Bill? Oh, no, I forgot he was in it. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Well, we might have to play Call of Duty for a reason. But to save this from becoming more of a video game podcast, yeah, again, <laughs> this has been 
largely a video game podcast, but that's fine because Not it's all media. Um, I would like to share that I uh, googled Timothy Oliphant Call of Duty, and <laughs> the second question that like response that comes up is, "Is Timothy Oliphant a nice guy?" He is. I believe he is. <laughs> is justified a true story? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I really appreciate this. Oliphant is a sly actor with a lot going on behind those pretty eyes. Timothy Oliphant, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Globeandmail.com. Okay, let's get back to it. Ignore me. His character, his character, he voices the, the Grinch. <laughs> yes! <laughs> He's like a hacker or something. And he gets killed, I think, very quickly. No! This is so Okay, he's cute. Take us back on track. I'm getting this. Okay, so, like, at the end of the film, we were affronted by the use of the music, which was like three different songs playing at once for some reason. <laughs> it felt very, like, accidental. It was horrible to listen to. But the guy sounded like Orville Peck. Well, it wasn't it somebody? It was somebody. We're, like, huge Peck fans here. Heads. We are, we are a big pack so shout out heads, but no, pack. but wasn't it somebody, it was somebody, um... I don't, I don't know. I remember looking up and then I was like... No, it was somebody because you went, oh, when the name came up. Did I? You did. You had a, you had a moment of recognition. Bobby had But <laughs> it was like, the theme, it was like the theme from the beginning of the movie was just fighting so hard with him singing and... Him singing had a track underneath it also that sounded nothing like the theme from the movie. And, and then at one point he fades out and then just comes back stronger. <laughs> it's like, like, like he walked out of the room and then walked back in. Scream over. <laughs> Something I appreciated in the beginning because I thought it was funny. Um, so the opening titles are... Uh, they were great. They, they were good, but the thing that I thought was funny about it is that they have like so an illustration of Hanny. Um, and then they kind of, like, move the picture around in every single way possible. Yeah, they only had the one. one, They (laughs) only had the one, which I thought was hilarious, because they were trying to get as much mileage out of, like, their one piece of, like, artwork they had commissioned. Changing colors, moving over here. And, like, no, I love, like, the way that it moves and the color changing. I feel like that is so quintessential. But, like, it was so funny that it was, like, the singular picture. Like, not even for the other characters did they get an illustration. Yeah. And not even did she have another one. <laughs> I know. the one. And they would, like, zoom in and zoom <laughs> out on it. Such a cheaply made film by the sounds of things. I was so cheaply made. Not even by the sounds of things, by the by the appearance of things. Yeah, by the appearance of things. Um, there, I feel like there are cheap movies that you can't tell are cheap. Um, this one you can. <laughs> yeah. But you know that's inspiring. I always think it's inspiring. That's fine. What idiot? Um, although I would love to make a cheap movie that looks not cheap, but we'll see. Yes. <laughs> We'll definitely see. Love to push it to the other direction. <laughs> uh, okay, so what did we learn about the 70s from this film? I guess this was this our first g- genre period piece of the 70s? Yes. 
our first thing that would indirectly tell us about the 70s. Yeah, because Bruce Stewart is like really unusual and husbands was really indie. Yeah, but both of them were like present day. Yeah. Yes. This is not, obviously. If you did not get that now, we either have been doing a bad job or you're <laughs> bad at listening. This was some time. I don't even know when. I couldn't tell you. Cowboy times. There's distinct periods in cowboy times, though. You know? Uh, yeah. There's. But, like, well, when was it then, do you think? I don't... Well, here, I'll tell you something. I'm very bad with dates, so I can't remember years, anything, <laughs> um, but I feel like... Pre-Civil War or post-Civil War? Definitely post-Civil War. Definitely post. Abandoned thought. I'd say most Westerns kind of get chopped up into a couple different time periods, and I would say they're, like, either immediately after Civil War, or it's, it's like, Civil War... But usually if it's Civil War, it's a Civil War movie. It's not really a Western. You get um, the post-Civil War movie, which is usually, like, um, anything about uh, any cowboys that usually were in the Confederacy, because there's a lot of Confederate cowboys um, who are, like, Mm -hmm. pissed off during the whole Reconstruction period, and, you know, sucks to be them. I don't care. But that is, like, that is... <laughs> yep. But so that there's the, like, yeah, there's the genre of, like, post-Civil War, Reconstruction, people going through it. There's, like, the middle point, which is, like, height of cowboy... Um, you're not thinking of the Civil War feels long ago and it doesn't feel like the cowboy period's gonna end. Um maybe I'll call that like the, I would say it was solidly in the, the middle gold of that rush, point. Maybe. Not even if it really is the gold rush, but that is what I'm calling it. Metaphorically the gold rush. And then you have They were like settlers, weren't they? Like Hanny and her husband. I guess. They had like they a had, little They had ranch. like a little homestead. Homesteaders. They were homesteaders with in absolutely barren Land with no animals, so couldn't have been doing very well. They had a corral, but no animals. And then you get the last, like, a big period, I'd say, is where my favorite movie, Butch Cassidy, comes in, but also the video game Red Dead Redemption 1, um, and a lot of other media that I can't think of now. Iconic pieces of cowboy pieces media. Of cowboy media, um, which is like the end of the like the end of the West, basically, and the beginning of um, yeah. And there's no call for cowboys there's anymore. No cowboys anymore. This town ain't big enough, and the beginning of like and then you get into the the neo the like industrial <laughs> revolution spread west, and that's like the, I feel like the three periods. Mm. So I guess in terms of that, it's probably definitely the middle one. But I don't think it was the middle one yeah. intentionally. I think they just did not <laughs> want to focus on anything else, and that's fine. Yeah. There wasn't, like, much wider establishment of, like, what the town what the town is there for. Like, is the town there because there's a mine? Or it was just, like, there's a town, and there's a homestead, and there's Mexico. <laughs> I guess. So I guess they were probably in California. Yeah. Question mark. What did we learn about the 70s? Yeah, because that would be difficult in a film that is not set in the 
70s itself. But the film itself is going to teach us something about it. I feel like that's true, but I guess you could, st- but you could still gain a lot from a film that's not about the 70s, that's made in the 70s, because it still reflects on the period. 70s westerns are very different than, like, 40s westerns, obviously. Not just from technology. It was shot in Panavision, wasn't it? I think so. Which is, you know, uh, most westerns are shot on the widest scale possible, aren't they? For those beautiful sweeping vistas. Yeah. And I didn't think we got a lot of that in this film. So I think in the 70s, what it sort of told me about the 70s is that films... We're trying to sort of shift into the more personal scale, even something as cheaply made, like a cheaply made genre picture. Yeah. I hate to think of, you know, producers being like, oh, we're going to make this film about ladies. I forget the lady money in the cinemas. <laughs> um, I like to think some people have, you know, wider ideas than that. Like, yeah, we want to make a film that's about a single character who's allowed to have her own revenge and we're going to use this massive uh, scope, the Western, the tropes of the Western, to tell this story. So I think that you get a lot of that in the 60s as well, but more so in the 70s. Although I feel like it's interesting though because like what you were saying like today it'd be like for like and doing it to get the women, the female audience money. But I feel like at this time... Yeah, maybe not just today, though, but, like, historically. historically. But it's also, like, weird, because I feel like the... I feel like the thing that happened with exploitation films is that they were meant for... um, Or any, like, real female character piece. A lot of them were meant... Like, this were meant for, like, horny men. Um, Yeah. Horny heterosexual men. And then wind up, like, incidentally becoming something beyond that, much bigger than that. If, like, Faster Pussycat or something. Yeah, so I think, like, what, we, what we're learning from this is that revisiting these things, these pulpier pictures, is worthwhile. I'd say also, I guess, it's interesting in terms of what we, what we learned about the decade. Is when I was, when I was doing all my reading on... Miss Raquel, a lot of it was about how um, she was, like, one of the definitive transitions into, like, the the new 70s sex symbol from the, like, blonde bombshell, which was kind of interesting, because you don't, like, in terms of women as, like, iconography of a decade, which is you know, a consistent thing, I guess, in terms of, you know, just, you know, in fashion and beauty standards and whatever, they do really... Yeah, and how we pointed out that the poncho looked modern. Yeah, like, they do really, like, you can really trace a lot of cultural shifts, I think, through yeah female icons and sex symbols of the time. So, yeah. that, I guess you'd learn a lot about, like, this is like this yeah like she is a sex symbol of the time and you can kind of take I don't know yeah just how she dresses how she acts versus like anybody from the last 
people last appear. You know what I mean? There's like yeah. a change. Yeah, and I think it would be a, a worthwhile film to remake, like a direct remake. A direct and remake, yeah. Say a little bit more and do a little bit more. I'd say a really good film to watch after this as a suggestion because we've already seen it. We've both already seen it. Is Revenge? Yes, <gasps> yes. Because she yeah, does not right? say much either, does she? Because the whole point is she that she's, doesn't. she's focusing herself to get revenge. I really, really, really love it. I really, really yeah, loved it. that's one of it. the greatest films of the past like 10 years. I it really is. It's not easy to watch. No, far from it. But I think that is like, it, it like takes, it takes the trope of like the rape revenge fantasy, which is obviously very prevalent as we talked about and actually makes it effective and yeah and not an like, actual revenge story and not exploitative yeah, I was say the exact same thing yeah i feel like the thing that you get in other movies that do that is either yeah it's like not satisfying like the revenge mm-hmm. isn't really revenge or there's a cop out like you get you catch feelings like not for them but like you're like oh I can't shoot somebody I'm better than that that kind of thing or yeah the or the beginning like the inception of what like what needs to be revenged is so clearly exploitative Mm. um and like wants to be seen where like it shouldn't want to be seen but like no revenge is is perfect it's a perfect movie yeah that would be a great double feature this would be a really good double feature because triple feature with damsel triple feature with damsel because i feel like that sort of is like hating hall there was like a predecessor to that kind of movie really good shout freddie right it's so good i feel like i haven't heard that many people talk about anymore since it's come out which sucks carly fargate great film it's so good fully approved by our pod we need to start making a, a letterbox list for our recommendations <laughs> we do because <laughs> we've had so many of them i don't want to throw other movies under the bus but there's yeah i would say even modern revenge films modern female revenge films don't necessarily work as well as the way that one does no and it is modern but it is modern they're just not as good <laughs> so next time what are we going to watch? I have a suggestion. What's your suggestion? So far, we've been picking films from your suggestion list. Yes. And they've all been from 1970 1971. On the last pod, uh, we mentioned maybe watching Clute as the fourth film, and I would love to watch Clute. Then let's do it. Yay. Okay, so we're going to watch Clute. Clute. That was very easy. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Donald Sutherland, Jane Fonda. I've been wanting to talk about Jane Fonda the entire time. Well, obviously. Because she's such a 70s icon. I've never actually watched the documentary about her. It's on Hulu. So no, there's I'll a do. lot now. There's quite a few of them. So maybe we could watch a couple of them as well. Gotta get into that. Yeah. What What could we say about Jane Fonda that hasn't been said? No, well, we're just going to highly praise Jane Fonda. <laughs> but no spoilers for the next pod. Yes. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Bye, listeners. Come back next time for Clue. When he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip.